Buzz clean that up because I butchered it in a couple of places. Okay. The Third Degree Nerd Podcast. Third Degree. The Third Degree Nerd Podcast. Third Degree. The Third Degree Nerd Podcast. Third Degree. The Third Degree Nerd Podcast. Third Degree is brought to you by Soccer 90. Give the gift of soccer this holiday season. Shop at Soccer90.com and find the perfect gift for your soccer-loving loved one. FC Dallas, national team, international club gear, it's all available. And if you can't decide what to get, give them the Soccer 90 gift card. That's the default gift. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Let them pick out what they want for Christmas by giving them a gift card. Third Degree listeners get 25% off when you check out and use the promo code Third Degree at Soccer90.com. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fans. Welcome to episode number 141 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, it is me again, Peter, and we're down a man. I'm not sure why, but who cares? You still got our hero, everybody's hero, the amazing Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Hello, Peter. How are you? Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Joyous Festivus, whatever your, your jam is. All of that stuff. Yeah, whatever yeah. whatever the jam whatever your jam is, happy to you. Because yeah. there's just too many jams going around these days. Yeah, there's there's more every year, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. Yes. New new jams happening all the time. It's the season of jams. How about that? Yeah. Or maybe it's a season of for a person of no jam. Maybe yeah. some people are into having no jam. So yeah. then happy no jam to those people as well. I just want to make sure we're not leaving anybody out. Uh, Buzz, we are definitely now at the slowest part of the offseason. We don't have a ton to talk about. I do want to ask you a question. Um, the MLS Cup was last weekend. Uh, my kick-around co-host, Andy Swift, was there in attendance uh, for his 26th consecutive MLS Cup. Yep, he's been to all of them. He reported great scenes, and I was thinking afterwards because uh, Pep Guardiola was talking about Tati Castellanos, the forward who led the league in scoring, Major League Soccer in scoring this year, uh, is now getting interest in Europe and is getting marked at about $20 million dollars. He's 24. He has scored 37 goals in four seasons for NYCFC. Does that change your perspective of the value of Ricardo Pepe, who's really only been doing it for one season? Uh, Not particularly um, for me. Um, Castaneros is probably more of the sure thing than Pepe is, but uh, not dramatically so. You know, last year in the shortened season, he only had six goals. Um, and the season before that, which is 11, which is a good season. Don't get me wrong. Nothing wrong with 11. But the season before that, when he was 18, basically, he had one. So um, there's an intrinsic value to Pepe uh, due to how young he is and how much his age is different than the other guys. So if you need a guy like right now, like I need a dude to come in and score 20 or come off the bench and give me 10, then uh, you, you definitely want the New York guy, the Castaneros. Uh, you know, Pepe for most people that are at the at the price point he is, which I still believe is fifteen million. I think most people that are looking at him are thinking about a long term project. You don't look at Pepe and go, "Oh, he's going to come in and start for me at Liverpool this year." I mean, that's no right. So, um, and probably not <laughs> if you want to talk about Liverpool. Probably not Castellanos either, but uh, something in between certainly for both of those guys. Um, 
So one of them is got young is younger with theoretically more upside, and one of them is more proven ready to go right now. So that's the two price points are different, and um, that they both feel about right for me. You know, we always talk about higher up the field, and the more towards the middle, and the more of a goal scorer you are, the more you're worth. That's just how that works. So um, they both they both feel right. How about you? Do you think it changes uh, Pepe's? The answer to your question is yes, it does, Buzz. I I, I have never thought that Pepe was fifteen million dollars. I think the real price on Pepe is somewhere closer to ten, um, or maybe twelve. And I think when you see that uh, the guy from New York is getting priced somewhere at twenty, based on his performance and the fact that he is still by, you know, all accounts a very young player at twenty four, uh, I do think that does reduce the value of Pepe. But again, you make a very fair point that if you're trying to get Pepe because you really believe that he is, uh, he's got a higher upside than uh, Castellanos. And and I think that's going to end up ultimately being the determining factor of who's right in this uh, debate is what is the ultimate upside of the New York player versus Pepe? Because if he doesn't have as great an upside as Pepe, then Pepe at 15 may be the bargain of all time. Yeah. Consider that, um, when you're thinking about these two players, you know, one of them is a is almost to the prime window of his career. He's two seasons off from being, you know, that 25 to 29 peak. So Castellanos is 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 he almost is what he is like 23 years old to European teams. is not young. Um, sure. Pepe, who Pepe, who's been did all this at 18, as you say, if you're buying him, you're not buying him for the now. You're buying him to flip him in four years, you know, and, and double and triple the price. I do agree with you, by the way, that I don't think Dallas will get 15. I say 15 because um, that's the pure cash number. But we know that's not going to be the way it's going to work. Dallas is going to do a sell-on. So it's not going to be 15. It's, it's as you say, the final number is going to be 10 to 12 million with a percentage, right? That's the expectation. So uh, you may be right. He may not be worth 15. Now the agents are already leaking that there's price people coming in at 13. So we know that it's at least that in raw numbers, um, assuming that is the raw number and not a raw with not a percentage sell on hiding in there somewhere. So um, there's going to be a lot of wait and see on this. You know, it, it, the interesting idea is that if you had to win a game tomorrow, which is one of these two guys would you go with? And the answer probably is Castellanos because at five years older and five years more experience, there's a value to that. Um, but if you answer, you wanted to ask, if I'm going to buy a guy for a decade, which one would I want? Well, then you'd say Pepe all the way. So that's intrinsically to me the difference in these two players. And the different kinds of teams, in my opinion, are going to come in for those two guys. The same kind of team won't be interested in both of those two players. There's just a different appeal to each of them. Um, and, and that means that their value is based on different commodities. And, and that's where it gets so hard to predict these things in the European yeah, market. for sure. Okay, so now we're a week on since the last time we talked about this. Any change in Pepe Watch 2021-22? You know, it's funny. Since we started talking about how much his agents appear to be blabbing, they seem to have stopped blabbing. Because since our last podcast, (laughs) I don't recall any more leaks about Pepe and prices and all that stuff. You know, since the hunts came out hard with, uh, no, we're planning for 2022 with Pepe. And even today, like all the season ticket sales packages and all the things they marketed were all were peppy. Now you would assume probably that FC Dallas being the organization that it is that nobody from the player side of the thing has bothered to speak to anybody from the marketing side and told them you better not make it all about peppy. 
you know, so, <laughs> but they sure are acting like it's all about Bevy. Because uh, man, there's going to be some yeah. people. Because like, if you're if you're a casual fan and you're not paying attention, you might not know that Pepe's about to probably be sold. So like, if, if let's say you're all in, oh my god, Pepe, I'm buying like five packages. My kids are all hyped, and then come January, he's gone. You might be really pe- yeah. pissed. I mean, you know, maybe not. Maybe people are so casual they just don't even care. But I, I mean, for sure, think about it this way too, Peter. If you sell Pepe or not sell Pepe, that fundamentally changes everything you're doing with this roster and how you build going forward. And if you sell him, you're in a big hurt in terms of trying to replace him. Whichever way you choose to do it, it gets way harder and way more complicated to bounce back next year if you don't keep him. Well, it does. And that's why, one, that's why I'm, even by Dan and Clark standards, surprised that they've gone all chips in on including him on all this marketing material, um, because it's so obvious that you, that the odds of him staying here and not and them not getting an offer that they can't stand to walk away from uh, is is likely at this point. I, I just the idea that they would turn away from twelve, thirteen, ten million dollars for him when. I mean, look, I believe in Pepe as much as the next guy, but it's not like he's got a tremendous track record. I mean, again, you've made the point, Buzz. Since he signed his new contract in July, he scored four goals yeah. for FC Dallas, right? Yeah. And I know he had a couple of nice performances for the national team, but he also had stretches of time for the national team where he you know, got a little lost in the mix. Now, that may not be his fault. But again, at the end of the, my point being is, is that I don't think all of us really can definitively say we know you know what you've got in Ricardo Pepe because he is just an 18-year-old guy. Um, and the fact that they may put risk all of that and him, him having a crummy follow-up season or getting hurt just seem, continues to seem improbable in my book. Yeah, it probably depends on how badly uh, they need the money. Um, you know, you would you would like to say that the Hunt family doesn't need the money, but um, remember, as you and I always talk about, they they their intentions are to run FC Dallas at like a zero balance. You know, they like in order to spend money, they want to bring money in. You know, and, and that's why it's important that some of these other deals have not come in all the way they're they're supposed to. And that's why it's a big deal that Dan told the season ticket holders the other day to, that they have stuff in front of the court of arbitration to try and get the money that they're owed. You know, and if Pepe adds into that too, it maybe they're like, we have all these plans, we want to do all these things, but we can't until some of this cash comes in. Um, you know, it, it, how much do they want? or need that money, how desperate they are for that money may go a long way. You're, you're right. There is a risk reward in waiting. And th- this is the kind of thing that only the hunts really know, you know, and they don't talk a lot about this kind of thing. You know, Dan hunt will talk about till he's blue in the face, how they run to keep Pepe, you know, and, and, and the, how they're all in on the kid, you know, and they did sign him to a long-term deal, you know, 2026 is that's a long MLS deal. And I guess it comes down to if you want Pepe and what you value Pepe at is a hundred percent on your, at you, I mean, you as a foreign club or whatever to scout and how good you feel your scouts are and your talent evaluation is that you've identified this guy. Um, you're right that since he did the contract, it, it did tail off a little bit, but he also became a marked man and then he went to the U S and then he broke through there too. That's the thing that's always most impressive about that kid is that every level he's gotten to, he's broken through. You know, he has yet to hit that ceiling. So um, it's 
it, it's going to be there's a risk reward across the board here for everybody. There's risk for Pepe to stay yeah. and to go, and there's risk for the Hunts to stay and to the go. Because you 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 could also just as you could make the argument that, uh, and it's a real one that if he got hurt or if he tails off and doesn't score next year, but you could also make the argument: what if he is available the whole season and bangs in thirty? You know, it's it's uh, it, it's this is a gamble. The the it's yeah, it's like I, it's like a commodities market, right? In a way, Peter. I mean, if you yeah. want to think of it that way, the Here, here's the here. Yeah, here's the here's the uh, mitigating factor that worries me about you know leaning on Pepe for 2022, which is the rest of the team just isn't very good. You've got a new coach coming in, and there's a lot of inconsistency. You don't know what the rest of the roster fixes coming are going to look like. It's not like we're uh, following up an outstanding season with the promise of another follow-up outstanding season. There's just so many questions about what this team is going to look like in 2022 that the idea that Pepe is just so good at what he does that no matter how bad, mediocre, or good the team is, he's going to have an outstanding season just doesn't seem realistic to me. Yeah, that's it's fair. You know, that that comes down to the – some that has to weigh into the equation for me. Like, we've talked about – how hard it is to rebound from a bad season. And Dallas has only managed to rebound from the season this poorly once. Every other time they've been this bad, it took them a, a whole season afterwards that they missed the playoffs before they were able to get back into the playoff picture. Only Oscar one time got them back in one year. You know, obviously, if you purely look at the numbers, the defense is the problem. They, they scored enough goals and they have enough creative pieces and they have enough assists on, assists on the table you know, that all of which Pepe helped facilitate. But you can look back to when Pepe wasn't playing and the early part of the season when they did not score goals at all, you know, and, and the latter part of the season when Pepe missed a couple of times and, and Jesus Ferreira had to carry the team a lot, you know, so you do worry that if Pepe is gone, that it's going to make it even more difficult. Um, so that may be a factor in the Hunt's mind as well. It's like, do we want to, if we yeah. get rid of the guy, or we, we're going to eat a pile of dirt next year, um, at the same time, you know, I, I agree with you that uh, the time is right to sell him if the number is there. The, the mitigating factor is just the, the hunts. You know, we don't we don't yeah. know really, you know, like when we first went in this conversation, I was like 80, 20. He's gone. And now I'm down to 50, 50 only because the hunts are doing what they're doing and saying what they're saying. You know, all the signs point to like this should be the time to capitalize on Pepe. But. I don't know. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's a mystery, honestly. And we're gonna have to wait till January window really to know because <laughs> I don't think, I don't think anyone that actually knows on the club side is talking. I think all the talking is coming from the other side, and they're probably telling you way more than actually is going on just to try to create the heat and create the momentum, you know, and get the hype up around the kid. Uh, so we'll see. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, Peppy Watch is in full effect yeah. now. The other thing, yeah. So the other thing that happened uh, today, as a matter of fact, is we got the schedule for 2022. And if you want to hear me be hopeful and sound optimistic, here is your moment. You may want to, you know, save this recording because if the fact that FC Dallas appears to have gotten smart 
and moved all of their summertime home game starts to 8 p.m. is any indication of how kick-ass this season is going to be. 2022 is going to be super kick-ass because that's exactly what happened when the when the schedule came out today. I'm so happy to see 8 o'clock kickoffs. No more sun on the east side of the stadium in those June, July, and August games. The only 7.30 game is in uh, September uh, and by then, you've got uh, you've, you've pretty much done with the sun problems. Yeah, there's a 6 p.m. in May, which is not too bad. There's a 2 p.m. That's not a problem. Yeah, in April, that's not a problem at that time of year. You know, because Dallas is not on national TV very much, there's not very many of these 2 p.m. games. They they have two on the road, and they have the one at home. But the one, as you, as I just said, is in April, so that's not a problem. You know, so honestly, the way the schedule lays out with all these 8 p.m. summer starts is phenomenal. Um, by the time you get to September, that 7.30 is fine. You know, and the 4 p.m. back in October actually might be nice <laughs> back in the sunshine in October to end the season. By the way, did you look at the, the – the? I mean, when you're bad, the whole schedule's bad, but the run out is particularly bad for this team. No, I haven't really – you know, I was so excited about the 8 p.m. – the shift back to 8 p.m. kickoffs. I didn't – I haven't even spent any time actually looking at how the schedule turned out in or against their favor. Yeah, well, they finish against Sporting Kansas City, which is always rough, that game. You, yeah, that's you never know. Yeah, but the game before that is Colorado. Again, always rough. Oh, holy right. crap. Hold on a second. They end yeah. the season in a Western Conference blitz. Nashville, Salt Lake, Minnesota. Yeah. Wait, well, hold on. Uh, at, at, at Nashville, at home against Salt Lake, at Minnesota, at home against LAFC, and then a back-to-back on the road against San Jose and Colorado and then finish the season at home. Oh, my gosh, against Kansas City. Yeah, I told you. That is a brutal, brutal brutal. run out. Brutal, because sporting is good. Colorado's good. San Jose's Dallas' bogey team. LAFC's early season favorite to win it again. Minnesota is good at home, particularly. RSL always makes Dallas tough. Nashville, good team, tough. And before that, Philly, Right, good team. Yeah. San Jose, your bogey team again. Before that, Portland at Portland. Before that, at Seattle. I mean, I'm telling you, like the last <laughs> ten is nuts. Now, look, listen, if you're a bad team, then the whole thing is nuts. But that last ten is ridiculous in terms of trying to make the playoffs. I mean, they they front loaded the season with most of the Eastern Conference games, which is interesting. That's a new take. You know, you get all mm-hmm. your you get all your Copa Texas games are all in the middle of the summer against Austin against Houston teams you think you can beat. Vancouver's not very good, you know. Uh, you got you got your chances to make some hay in the middle of the summer when when it's really hot and when Dallas swoons, right? And then right as you're coming out of theoretically your swoon, I mean August is going to be rough with that schedule and that. Ugh. And then you you run into that juggernaut down the stretch. I mean, they did not do Dallas any favors with this back end of the season schedule. To be honest, no. So yeah. uh, help me. Re- I always get which months are historically good or bad for Dallas. But here's the crazy part. May has six games in it. No, five games. Yeah. So May has five games in it, but June only has three games. There must be an international break yes. window in there. Okay, that's what yes. that is. Yeah. Yeah. They've got th- then they've got five games. No, six games in July. Holy cow. Six games July- in August, too. Oh, wow. So 12 games in two months. The 4th, 9th, 13th, 16th, 23rd, and 30th of July. And four of those are home games. And then August, the 2nd, 6th, 13th, 17th, and 21st, and 27th, three of those are home games. Yeah. uh, Mighty. 
it, it's nice that they gave Dallas Chicago again. That's good. But then the East Coast teams they gave them, Toronto and Miami are, are right now not very good. But they gave them NYCFC, the champions. They gave them Philly, who was really good. They gave them Orlando. That's Poppy. That's a decent team. They gave them the Revs, the, the Shield winners. They gave them the Red Bulls, who are usually pretty good. I mean, they they did not get a break on the Eastern Conference teams they're getting. Um, and maybe it just seems that way because Dallas stinks. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they might not feel this way when we see how the season actually goes. Yeah, and because there's Char- – and we did not get Charlotte. So no. because there are now an e- uh, the correct number of teams, uh, Dallas – everybody everybody in each conference plays their conference opponents twice in a season, and then they get a select number of uh, op- opposite uh, conference teams. That's what unbalances the schedule for everybody yeah. is that not yeah. every – you know, there's teams that are going to get Charlotte in the Western Conference that Dallas didn't get, uh, for example, and end up with an easier schedule because they get some of the lesser uh, Eastern Conference teams. Wow. Man, you are not kidding, Buzz. That last 10 yeah. is an absolute run out. Just to recap, if you're not looking at the last 10 games for Dallas starts on August the 2nd at Seattle, then four days later at Portland – and then a week later, a back-to-back home games against San Jose and Philadelphia, and then a road game to Nashville, and then six days later, home against Salt Lake, then Minnesota on the 3rd of September, then LAFC on the 10th, a week later, San Jose in San Jose, and then a week after that, uh, in Colorado, and you end on the 9th of October against Kansas City. Yeah, you'd like to think that the San Jose is the team that you can do well against, but we know Dallas, for some reason has a problem with that team, you know, and then you, you have to go at some very difficult teams. It's, it's actually the last 11 at Seattle, at Portland, at Nashville, at Minnesota, at Colorado. Those are all difficult. And then your home games aren't any better other than San Jose. Philadelphia is a really good team. Salt Lake is almost always a really good team. You just saw what they did in the playoffs. LAFC is a really good team and Sporting is a really good team. So it's like you're, you've got a, you've got a games in that stretch against the top five teams in the Western Conference, some of them multiple times, and then a cup and one really good team from the Eastern Conference. So it's like it's honestly you couldn't have made it other than taking out San Jose maybe for somebody. But like I mentioned again, that's a team that they struggle against for some reason. You know that that eleven game run. And if you can even go back, it gets silly at some point going backwards past that. But you know, you better be you better be in playoff position when you hit that last game stretch because it would be easy to stumble through that sequence of games. Well, uh, you know that that certainly puts the season in perspective when you see the schedule like that. But I, you know, I haven't looked at anybody else's schedule, uh, no. compared it to anybody else. I, you know, I've not taken the time to do that, um, but. Uh, that does uh, add an extra little bit of information and spice to the 2022 season. But again, let's focus on the positive buzz. Summertime, 8 p.m. kickoffs at home. I think that is a fantastic move. And whoever made it, I don't know if it was the league. I don't know if it's the team. I don't know if it's the hunts. I don't know care whoever it was. Uh, bravo for that shift. I appreciate yeah, that. Absolutely. In terms of fan enjoyment. And listen, and Dan Hunt in the sports meetings the other day said that they're really trying to f- turn their eye and focus on game day experience. And this is the first clear sign that that is a legitimate thing for him to have said because the, that shift makes a world of difference in the, in the summertime heat, particularly on the east side yes. in the sun. Massive, massive difference. Yeah, let, let me let me just repeat because for somebody listening to this that does understand why 8 p.m. kickoffs are so critical, the, the reason being is the re- when – the reason why everybody cries about not having a roof is that when the games start at 7.30, 7 or earlier in the summer, and this runs from about 
May all the way up until August, late August, early September, or into September. Yeah. The sun will, the sun's setting behind the stadium on the west side uh, goes behind the west side and, and, and removes itself from the east side stands almost literally right at eight o'clock. So if you kick off the game at eight o'clock, almost the entire east side of the stadium is no longer bathed in beating hot ass Dallas, Texas degree, <laughs> summertime <yeah>. <laughs> blazing sun scaldingsness. And it and, and they did this once before. There was one season where they played eight o'clock kickoffs and everybody loved it because the beating sun on the east side wasn't a problem. And then mysteriously they shifted back to seven o'clock and then they kind of moved back to seven thirty. And the reasons for doing that are a little sub you know, subjective. And I've heard a lot of different uh, conspiracy theories as to why. Uh, one in particular always rings very true because it sounds like the most hunt thing ever to, to make a business decision on. But I don't know it to be true, so I won't repeat it here on the podcast. Anyway, um, that's why if you don't understand playing the games at 8 o'clock, it essentially removes the need for a roof simply for sun sunlight reasons or shade reasons, right? Like yeah. if you just kick the games off at 8, you don't need a roof. Now, you may want a roof for a whole host of other reasons, rain, noise, atmosphere, etc. But 8 p.m. kickoffs eliminate the need for shade and sun for sun yeah. purposes. Yeah, particularly when we didn't get any of those national team 2 p.m. games during the summer, you know, because those are the ones yeah. that are the absolute... I mean, if you've ever sat... At, at that point, it doesn't matter which side, but in particular, the east side at that two o'clock in like August, it is the, I mean, it's literally, and it, you know, and it's not any better on the field than it is in the stands. It's literally like 125 degrees on the field. And that's what always makes me laugh when the, you hear the teams like Minnesota complaining about the snow in the winter. And it's like 20 degrees or minus 20 or whatever it is. I'm like, dude, it's nearly 125 degrees on the field. And you guys want to come here in August, you know? So it's, it's, it's a life. I mean, honestly, not to joke, but it's a it could be a lifesaver to not have those games be in the blistering heat of the day when people this is the time of year when people have the heat strokes and crap, you know. So I applaud this across the board putting these games late like this. It's fantastic. Okay, so everybody check out the schedule, wallow in it for a bit, and uh, let us know what you think. Now, the other thing to discuss is we get into now we have a coach, now we got a schedule, we're still trying to figure... And I do think this next conversation becomes even more problematic because of the Pepe situation. And I don't even know if it's a function... I mean, do does the idea of what your needs are... Well, I, yeah, the an- obvious answer is yes. If if Pepe is here or not, does it change based on Pepe's uh, oh, result? Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, because if you say, so right now, if Pepe stays, what's the number one position they need to fix? Uh, for me, it's wing. They need help at wing. That's number one for me. Um, okay. I don't know if you would agree with that or not. Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, yes, absolutely. 100%. It is wing. Cause I'm not an Obreon fan and I don't want Paxton playing out on the wing and right. I'm, and I'm still a little, I'm still a little uncertain about, uh, Shun. Yeah, like I, I know he's got some speed and some skill. I just I'm worried that the guy is, isn't eating enough uh, barbecue. He's just <laughs> a little thin. Um, so yeah, I would say wings, probably the number one concern of mine, if not right. the six holding. So, that. yeah. So at the wing, uh, even if you were all in on Shun, he's going to miss a bunch of games for his, with his country, um, you know, as they finish up qualifying and then they get into their nations league and all that stuff. So, you know, the, his availability is going to be spotty anyway. And, and behind them, behind, 
uh, Obreon theoretically is Dante Sealy, but he's not here on loan. He's and who knows if he's ever coming back? Probably not. And they have Khalil El Mancour on the other side, who is the homegrown they stole from Philly, basically. Um, you're, we're not 100% convinced that that guy is an answer yet. He's gotten some minutes, but mo- he's played mostly for North Texas so far. So, And we want to move Paxton in. So right now you're looking at an Obreon Shun, which for many games might be fine, but um, the confidence level on all that is kind of low, and there really isn't like a guaranteed solve inside the club. So for me, number one wing is where you go outside the club. And it's probably why there was those multiple reports of them talking to the guy from Gremio, who they probably can't afford because the Hunts don't spend money. But it points to the idea that they would agree with this. And so I would like to see a wing brought in that can go both sides. You know, we've seen O'Brien flip-flop sides. We've seen Paxton flip-flop sides. We don't want him to play wing. Shun has flip-flop sides. So that's pretty typical that you would get a guy. No one's a pure right or left as much anymore. Even if he's a all one foot, you can play him as a false wing on the other side and that kind of thing. So, you know, to bring in a guy that's at least of the level of those other two dudes and have a little rotation and have coverage for injuries or call-ups, I think is one of the biggest needs. And really, if you can get a dynamite player at that position and create real competition and, and give yourself really exciting options, that I think that's number number one spot. But getting back to the original point, if in fact he is, uh, uh, you know, gone, that Pepe. does change because now suddenly your number nine position is the biggest peak oh. point of need because Hara's not cutting it, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Now Hara's value at this point for me is only as a bench piece. You know, that, the seven goals he had mostly off the bench is an acceptable production for a bench player. The thing that makes it stupid is the price what you're paying for him, but that's a sunk cost. You have to ignore it. But he's not the answer if Pepe is sold. If Pepe's sold, the cheap answer is to put Jesus up front as a false nine like he plays for the U.S. national team, which he has done before for this club back in 2019. So that's a perfectly viable option. You know, whether you want to do that or not comes down to the coach's style. Does the new coach really want Jesus to stay in that off striker 10 role or does he want him to play up front as this false kind of nine, um, we have no idea at this point because replacing Pepe straight up is going to be very, very expensive. There's nobody in the academy that's ready to replace him. There are a couple of interesting prospects, but they're not ready to be Pepe. Um, so you're going to have to spend some serious money if you want to get a guy that you feel as confident as you do about Pepe. Man, that's tough. Jesus is a much more... Uh, confident move in the sense that you know exactly who he is and you know he can be productive. So for me, that would be the solution. But I'm not Andre Zanata or um, Nico Estevez. So, mm. you know, what they want to do is a, is a real mystery. I mean, and, and we'll have to see what happens in camp. So th- that's a position, if they do sell Pepe, that's a position that there are two potential legitimate solutions. You know, and, and whether you move Jesus or not affects the whole rest of the team. Part of the reason I like moving Jesus is that I can then put Paxson in to a similar free eight role. It's different than Jesus because Paxson actually plays good defense and sits in where he's supposed to. So uh, th- that's one reason why it's such a big impact whether you sell Pepe or not. All right. So uh, wing and potentially nine are your A one A and one B. Yep positions of concern i guess when it comes to holding mid center backs and outside fullback spots are those all interchangeable in terms of their importance 
Probably so. Um, you know, which one you think is more important will depend on how you confident you are in the starters. Um, that that whole group gets lumped together, and you can include the six in this too, because the defense was so bad because they let in such an astronomically high number of goals. So sometimes when we might say, "Oh, this position needs to be better," it might be because they tried a young seventeen-year-old kid in that spot for ten games, or it might be because somebody was hurt a bunch. You know, I mean, like like if you talk about um, center back, for example. Um, both coaches were reluctant to go with Tafari in the beginning, but Hedges got hurt, Brisson got hurt, Martinez got hurt. Those side guys are all getting a little bit older. So how much do you think center back is a position of need depends on how confident you are in any of those four options to be the answer. Now, I think Tafari should be the guy, which means that Brisson is gone. So either Hedges or Martinez has to come through. So... In my opinion, you want to carry five center backs on a roster, not four. You want five. Now, the fifth one can be like a guy you just drafted, or it can be the dude from North Texas or whatever. So you, no matter what, you need one center back. So do you go out and try and get a frontline DP-ish level center back when you're already paying Hedges and Martinez both right at or near the DP level? Or do you go for a sort of veteran kind of uh, – because the among Tafare, there's a solution as a starter. You hope Hedges and Martinez, one of those guys, is a solution as a starter. So I, I think you're just looking for a mid-career veteran, you know, fourth center back in that situation. Unless, of course, you don't think Hedges has it anymore or don't think Martinez is any good. But that's a lot of money in that spot. Yeah, there's a lot to consider there, and and ultimately, as you know, Buzz, some of this is going to come. The ability for them to fill any of these positions is going to come down to uh, the the topic that we started with, which is the Pepe deal. Because if it, it, because here's here's where this gets really weird. If they sell Pepe and they have to replace him, as to your point, that's expensive. Unless they've decided the solution is Jesus, and then they can take Pepe money and help fill out some of these other spots. Yeah. So. I, you know, it is uh, it's, that is going to end up being the, the real thing that we end up having. I, everybody knows this. I'm just preaching to the yeah, choir. Yeah. It's just it's just the thing, man. It is no, it's totally, important. Uh, all all there is about it. All right. Well, yeah, um, it's important to to know that. That's one reason why I think when you get to the window, if they are selling him, they'll do it as soon as possible, because you you want to get that over with and get into who you're replacing people with. You need the money. You need to know what you're doing. You know what the plan is. Like if you're the coach and if you're Andre, you don't want to be sitting there into late January, into early February. I mean, January camp opens in January 16th, right? So it's like you have very little time left to get this thing lined up and gone. So you can get to work, you know, when you're, when you, before your camp opens January 16th, that's no time at all to me. So I was like, you no. And, and that's the crazy part is that the season is just so close to being right around the corner. I mean, they kick off before, I mean, at the end of February, it's ridiculous yeah, how fast this crazy. is going to happen. All right. Well, uh, we'll just keep an eye on all those things, Buzz, as you always do. Well, let's talk about the other couple of positions. Oh, for, okay. for me, for me, the six is the other one I think is a position that could use upgrading. Um, and it's nothing, I, I'm not hardcore against Facundo Quinone. For me, he's a perfectly adequate middle of the table MLS six. He's fine. 
but fine for me doesn't cut it in the position that you is for me is most important towards getting to the top of the table. I don't think it's a coincidence that when you had Grezzo, you won Shields and Open Cups, and you got rid of him and brought in uh, uh, Tiago Santos, who was decent enough to get you into the playoffs, and then he got sold, and then you had Quinone, who took some time to adjust or and or was hurt, and you missed the playoffs. I mean, that's simplistic, but I think it's true. And he's also in the prime of his career. He's he's in the flat-toed part of his career, so he's not going to improve. Now, maybe maybe there's a little of the familiarity playing in. He did get hurt. Maybe he was playing a little bit hurt. So maybe, cross your fingers, he can get a little bit better, but I don't think he's not going to get crazy better. And then Edwin, who I think in a couple of years will be really good. Now, so if you want to say as an organization, okay, we're all in on the kids. Edwin's the guy. We're starting Edwin. We're starting Cervania. We're starting Paxson. We're starting Jesus, and we're going to wait three or four years for those guys to hit their prime. And then we're going to go for cups, multiple cups. But if you want to put Edwin in and let him play into it for three years, I'm okay with that. But you have to be honest about it, that that's what's actually happening. I don't know that with the money they've invested in Kenyon, that like you could justify going out and trying to get a Grezzo level six when you've already got 800 grand plus and another guy. So I think you're stuck with those two options. Uh, both of whom next year will probably just be middle of the table okay. I think you can make the playoffs with those guys, but you're not going to win a cup with those guys. I don't think. Not yet. Not with Edwin yet. Okay. And then outside back, I wrote down this position of need, less about the starters than about the backups. backups. Yeah. yeah, because Ryan's 31, so that's fine for this year, but it's starting to get towards the end. And Johnny, we have no idea how healthy he is. You know, he's out of contract. They didn't pick up his option. They're kind of waiting to see. Even if you think Johnny's fine as your backup, long-term, that may not be good enough. You may have to look at some things. That spot should have been Jonathan Gomez's spot. He should have been signed as a homegrown like a year and a half ago, but he's gone. You know, he'd be ready to transition in and be the starter starting, you know, be, be work, worked in over the course of this season. But that's water under the bridge. Now, right back. You know, Che really had some struggles in the middle part of the season. And when they talk about playing too many youngsters too soon, I think that's who they're talking about, the club, not me. Emma Tuomasi proved that he's the guy there. But then behind him, Justin Che is going to be sold. I don't think there's any question about that, in my opinion. You have Eddie Munjoma, who's not proven anything. So both outside back spots, mostly it's about backups for now. And how do we have – do we have a plan for multiple years? Because even if you like Tuomasi – He's in his last year as an option. So will he take, you know, will he take a new contract or not? Or does he want to test the market? You know, who knows? Because he's not American. Remember, he's a green card. So he's not from here. Oh, that's you know, right. He was a college player here. But, right. you know, and he's obviously happy to develop his career here so far. But he might think, I want to go play whoever, wherever in the world. You know, he's not an American citizen. So. All right. So when you talk about all these positions of need and and options and you know they could do this, how much does the news that they made a trade with Nashville for like a quarter of a million gam dollars uh, for an international spot? Does that give you any indication on what's going down? Yes, uh, big indication because they only had five internationals right now. So who are they? they? Uh, FC Dallas had five international right, spots. I mean, who are the five? Is what oh, the five. Oh, I'm sorry. Who? Yes, they are. Let me look real quick. They are Franco Hara, uh, Jose Martinez, Hadir Obreon, Shabok Shun, and Facundo Quinone. Now, okay. so you each team has eight. So they had three open, which is a decent amount. Three you can work with. They traded for another one. So now they have four open international spots. For you to feel like you needed a fourth one, 
I think is telling. And they've also talked a lot about the hunts have and, and, and uh, Zanata has, and the coach did too, about the U-22 initiative, which was what Shun was. And they really like that. That's the older, a couple of years ago, FCD method of going to get a Barrios or a uh, Castillo, these younger guys with a little more upside that work better than these really complete crapshoots kind of stuff. So I think that those four spots are pretty important because they also said they have four or five senior spots open. Now, I have them down as seven, but uh, Nikosi's old enough that he's going to take one of those spots. So depending on who you promote or don't promote, whatever, it's something between six and four for sure, plus these four international spots. So it's pretty clear to me that by going to get that fourth one, you're indicating that we're going to bring in a whole handful of players from foreign countries to fill these spots for at least, obviously, since you needed to trade for that spot. Um, and it may be that Dan Hunt got ahead of himself and only said it's four or five because he already knows he's got one or two of them filled by something that we don't know about. You know, he may just be not telling us the other half of why he says it's that few. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the, the thing about foreign spots is I'd like to see some goalkeepers brought in, right? Uh, Jimmy Maurer's great, but Jimmy Maurer's a little bit older. I think that they signed Richard Sanchez last year to North Texas to see if he could be like a second or third guy. So that's a possibility. That still leaves you one open spot. Um, even if you liked the Antonio Carrera of the academy, he's too young to be on the first team roster at this point. So, but you don't spend a, a, I don't think you should spend a foreign slot at a keeper or an outside back. So you're looking at potentially four foreign players coming in to be, I don't know, wing, nine, holding mid, center back, maybe an eight if you don't believe in Cervania, which would be crazy to me. I don't know why you bail on Acosta when you just for Cervania. If you didn't then go get another guy to replace them, that seems weird. But Yeah, it makes me wonder, and I asked you this question back a few weeks ago, I think, which is I wonder if they feel a need to have a veteran presence that they can count on as a starter in, in midfield that isn't Quinone. Yeah, and that, and that and that they're looking for a Brian Acosta replacement, meaning an international veteran DP type player. Yeah. Because that, that's the other thing we haven't talked about is the fact is they clearly have DP spots open too. They have one for sure. And again, Hunt told the, the supporters meeting the other day that they're work quote working on something internally to open up the other one. Now, what that meant, who knows? It could be a Tam Gam buy down to open it up. It could be. Um, a, a buyout of one of the DPs they have now. You could do one different one or buyout, so that would be Hara or um, uh, Quinon. Maybe it's you go to Matt Hedges and say, "Hey, we'll give you, you know, X Y Z promises for the rest of your life if you can bring your redo your deal and bring your number down." I mean, I don't know. There's a bunch of ways you could open up that second DP spot. Well, they went last year with only two DP spots a long time. So for them to be trying to open a second one makes me feel like they must be wanting to use both the second and third DP spot. That Otherwise, why would you well, bother to open the second one if, well, you, if you don't need it? Yeah, see, and this is where I think this news this week of the quarter million, whatever, GAM or TAM it was, I can't, that they gave um, uh, Nashville for that international yeah. spot. Because... Again, I haven't researched this, but my off the top of my head sense is two hundred and fifty thousand gam dollars uh, for an international spot is top of the market pricing. I think I'm I think I'm fairly correct in saying that, which is not a very hunt thing to do. Am I right? Yeah. 
Well, they gave 225 one back in April. Um, so yeah, it's kind of near the top. Uh, you know, well, who is who sh- is who is who has paid more than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for an international slot in Major League Soccer before? Oh, uh, man, I'd have to go look up. Maybe somebody did if they were really de- – you know, it depends on how desperate you were. That, that was the one-day window, and then maybe I'm like, we really need this right now today. Right. And they and were the like, why, they had to overpay for it, you know. Yes, yeah. but this is the reason why I'm bringing it up, which is the fact that they would spend, even if it's not the most ever, it is at the top of the market almost certainly. And yes. And the fact that they were willing to spend a quarter of a million gam or tam or whatever it is for a slot and not necessarily – tells me that they've got some sort of bigger plan – that they're about to, to, to put into play. Because yeah, they wouldn't do it otherwise, I don't think. And it, yeah. And it, it, sorry. No, I was going to say, and, and that's what makes me wonder if this is all tied to this DP thing that he was hinting about or referencing at the meeting was that the international slot and this DP thing uh, are all part of some sort of ind- singular plan. Yeah, you have to consider the coach. Um, we know he's a four-three-three guy, mostly. And that lines up mostly with, specifically with the bear halter 433, which is a single pivot six. So then you look at three things in the midfield. Think about the national team with a single pivot with Tyler Adams in there. Do, does FC Dallas have a Tyler Adams right now? I don't think so. I don't think Kenyo, I think Edmund could be in a couple of years, but he's not yet. So there you wonder. And then you say, okay, as much as you or I might like Cervania and Pax in terms of their potential down the line, if you're trying to win a game right now, you might say, "I look, Weston McKinney, Musa, those levels of players are missing You know, right now. Could Paxson be that guy? Could Cervania be that guy? I think they could be, but if you're a new coach who's who's been told make the playoffs and you don't know Paxson and, Hays- and uh, Cervania yet, you don't know if Jesus is having to move up front, you're like, I may need guys in there that are really like true international level, hardcore eights, especially if I'm going to play 4-3-3, which is a double eight look. I need two of them. And if and behind Paxson and Cervania, and we always talk about this idea that you want two starters competing for every position. So behind Paxson and Cervania, what do you have? Thomas Roberts is gone. You don't know anything about him. Nicky Hernandez was had struggled to maintain a starting spot with North Texas even last year. What else do you have? Nothing. So it's like I would totally buy the idea that they're going to go out and replace Acosta with a DP8 and 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 maybe even two guys at that level in that central midfield. The central midfield is so important in a 4-3-3. And in the end, it's going to come down to are we doubling down on the kids and are we going to be patient and wait for the, those guys, Cervania and Paxton and Edwin, to play in over the next two or three years or do we want to get somebody else in the meantime? And we're going to find, you know, there's a lot of we're waiting to see here when we talk about this roster because we really are. We won't know until we get into January and we see the moves actually begin to happen. Although there's a rumor that there might be a move announced this week. Um, I would have actually thought it might have happened already based on the rumor, but uh, maybe early next week possibly because then you're going to get into the Christmas holiday and then nothing's going to happen until January. Right. So, hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, at least it gives us something to uh, chew on and think about oh, yeah. and discuss on the podcast, right? Yeah, Dustin. This is my favorite part of the year, this part. <laughs> Listen yeah. to how eager and chipper you I know. are, Buzz. I know. All right. Well, um, hey, I saw a picture of you posted that you've been posting on social media 
of you at the Stars game, and yeah. you po- it was a selfie of you wearing a hockey sweater. Is that a, a Boba Fett reference? It's a Mandalorian. Or Mandalorian. Yeah. Okay. The, the back says number 19. It says Mando on the top, and the front is a <laughs> it's a fake team called the Hunters with that silhouette from the Mandalorian. It's a, it's a company called, um, I think it's called Geeky Jerseys. They make crazy weird fake hockey team and a fake baseball team jerseys. I have another one that's got um, Deadpool on the front with like wearing a sombrero and it oh, says, wow. it says Wilson 80, which is the care, the, 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 the real person quote unquote that play that is Deadpool. His name is Wade Wilson. So it says Wilson on the back and it's and the toast and it says time to make Jimmy Chalkins on the front. I mean, they're fun. <laughs> you know, they make things like, so it's totally geeky. They make mo- lots of movie references, lots of like slasher movies or, um, you know, your Star Treks and your Star Wars is, and they're totally fun. You can Google them. You know they're not too cheap, but um, and if you're into like the geeky world and like hockey, they're they're a whole lot of fun. Hey Buzz, how's that Dallas Stars game day experience? Uh, it's pretty good actually. Uh, well, parking is a nightmare nowadays. That was rough. Yeah, but, um, yeah. When you begin to hear uh, Mark Cuban talking about building his own place, oh. uh, you begin, and you then have to experience the parking changes down at the AAC. You begin yeah. to understand why he's thinking about moving. Oh, I'm sure it'll be in Arlington. Um, no, it's going to be right across the other side of I-35. Oh, is it? Oh, he's bought all that property right there where oh. their practice facility is, and he just opened that new concert venue right next door to it. And so he's talking about, I mean, the word is, is that he's thinking about building his own joint over in the design district. Yeah. Yeah. Parking was rough. Uh, they could have used a little more people at the doors because there was a little bit of a line wait to get in, you know, with the scanning and this, hmm. whatever. So, you know, it's, I feel like you want to get everybody in the building as fast as possible so they can buy stuff, but you know, they didn't seem to not mind. Um, lots of, you know, good light show, good entertainment on the board. You know, it's a, you know, it's, it's, Stars have been around a long time. They know what they're doing. They got a pretty good game day experience. I, I, honestly, it's been over a decade since I've been, and it's mostly the same. But it's you know it's got some nice upgrades since I was last there. So. Yeah, I have two. I have two hockey sweaters. One is the Dallas Stars, and the other is from a minor league team that was literally a team, the Macon Whoopie. Yeah, I remember the, the Macon Whoopies. Macon Whoopie, and it's a yeah. it's got a whooping crane. Oh, whoop, yeah, whooping crane on the on the front, and they were called the Whoopie. Um, well, go ahead. No, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I have an El Paso Buzzards, which was oh, a real team. Sweet. Yeah, and then I got, of course, Boston University, where I went to grad school, and then multiple stars jerseys and a couple other. I have a, there's a guy in the NHL whose last name is Carrick, and I got one of his jerseys from Toronto. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to start a rumor? Okay, sure. Go ahead. Let's start a rumor. So we'll start it right here on the Third Degree Podcast. Mm. So part of Mark Cuban's um, development plans is a soccer stadium Mm. how about that an outdoor soccer stadium outdoor soccer stadium right there next to his basketball arena with parking and a train stop right along i-35 right near downtown dallas dream scenario location for a for a soccer stadium yeah with downtown looming over Mm. perfect it's absolutely perfect he's looking to develop turn it into an entertainment district yep i'm in I've official, we've officially started the rumor. Yeah. I the used to wonder do? if I used to wonder if there was enough room right next to North End Market, uh, sorry, West End Market, if there was enough room to squeeze one in there on the inside the loop, but I don't think there is. We could start a hashtag. Let's see. What would the hashtag be? 
Dallas Soccer in DD for Design District. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Maybe, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, I'll go down there and scout. I'll go look for that location. I'll go scout. Okay. It's yeah. on the you know where you know where the yeah. Mavericks fat practice facility is. I do. He he apparently has acquired all of that land behind it, uh, back quite a ways into the design district, and so there's lots of talk about him doing his own thing over there. Wow, he's not real dumb, that guy. No. No, I, and I totally made up the whole thing about the soccer stadium. Let me be clear about that, but. <laughs> it seems like a really good thing to make up yeah. in advance because I'm going to get a ton of credit if that turned out to in any way, shape, or form to come to fruition. Man, I'd look like a farting genius, wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. All right. Anything all right. else, Buzz, that we need to talk about? Oh, man. We did a lot, but I thought we weren't going to have very much, but that was all good talk. Um, I, I'll tell you a funny story that will tell you something. I think it's funny is that I went out and watched the academy teams play this weekend against Rio Grande Valley. It's terrible, but it was halfway through the U19 game that I realized that MLS Cup was going on. So it was like, I, I, that's the story of my <laughs> life that I was out watching the U19 game instead of MLS Cup. <laughs> yeah. That totally captures you at your greatest yeah. essence right there. You, you missed MLS Cup so you could go to a U19 game. Yeah, it was a good game. Bless your heart. Bless, yeah. I'm sure it was, but that MLS Cup game was actually very good and very entertaining. I know, I know. Uh, I, although I will say uh, the numbers of viewers came back and everybody's like, hey, it's 1.4 million. And I think that's not that great a number for your biggest game of the season. You know, when you're trying to do a new con, a new uh, uh, a new deal. So there you go. All right. I, I'm going to ask you a, a little kit nerd question here. Oh, OK. If you could have any one single thing the, in the new kit, like keep in mind, we're talking about an FC Dallas kit. Okay. So in that context, you got to think of Adidas. You got to think about what SC Dallas does. What's the one significant or important thing that you would like them to do with this new kit that's coming? Uh, if I could have, are you talking about overall design or just a singular element? What, whatever, whatever you want, whatever your buzzword is, it could be the overall design. It could be a singular element. It could be like, this is the most important thing for me that I hope they do. Well, Oh, well, it would be to do our dream kit. It would be to go with the uh, blue and red hoops. Yeah. That's what I want with white numbers on the back and white shorts. Yeah. The, for me, that was what I was going to say was white shorts. That's the thing that I really hope they take away from like some of the j- kits they use. The Academy wears the white shorts with the red jersey every time when they're at home. Oh, they, I they see. Go that okay. Way. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, I see what you mean. You don't mean like a design overall. No, no, it, can be, it can be designed. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, the, right. the dream red and blue hoose with the white numbers, that, that's a beautiful one. That would be awesome. Uh, option yeah. number two would be berets. I was berets. hoping maybe they'd introduce berets in yeah. the game. Yeah. <laughs> berets. <laughs> like, I, I do miss the jersey, uh, the, the uniform number on the front of the jersey. I miss that. That's a national team thing because they don't have sponsors. Yeah, they don't but really I always do. like it on pro teams. You know? Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, yeah, I... I haven't really put too much thought into whatever this new home jersey is going to look like, uh, and I suspect we won't. I've heard, I've heard literally. I I'd known so little uh, about it, and I don't really know. I, my contacts have kind of dried up, so I don't. Yeah. Really, I haven't. I I don't know. I, they could totally surprise me uh, whenever they decide to throw it out there the week before the season starts, or whenever the very late date will be. I got the only thing I got was throwback ish, which I I took to mean. Because the person I was talking to about it knows that I'm a big, huge believer in the consistency of sticking with the hoops. 
you know, like if you go back in time, it, it didn't have to be hoops, but it is hoops. So, uh, so I took this them to say it's throwback ish to mean that like they kept that sort of vibe, something like what's on the current jersey now. So whether it's like a little pin hoop or like some hints of a hoop or a fabric thing, that there'll be something in it, kind of hoopish, mm. is all I'm kind of. But maybe not like a dominant, like real true hoop that we would really want, you know. So we'll see. It's you know, there you're right. There's not much chatter this year, so we're kind of. Other than with Dan knows, well, as now always, Dan knows what the template's going to be. So we'll be able to, and it'll be red and blue, I'm sure. Well, we'll promise to keep everybody posted if we do learn anything. Yep. Uh, for sure. Okay. Um, should I read the uh, promo now again? Yeah, I, I got nothing else. Do that? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. All right. Third Degree is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Don't forget to give the gift of soccer this holiday season. You could shop at Soccer90.com and find the perfect gift for your soccer-loving loved one. They got national team gear. Of course, they got MLS and FC Dallas stuff, international club gear. But if you can't decide, this is actually a really kick-ass and easy idea, you can give them a Soccer90 gift card and let your person pick out what they want for Christmas because you just gave them a whole bunch of Soccer90 money. How about that? And when you're... Because you are a third degree listener you get 25 percent off even gift cards when you check out at the promo use third degree at soccer90.com all right no dan is dan have we lost dan for the rest of the year or what's the story on dan he's on assignment he's undercover working on, on a super secret assignment mm. top secret super yes. duper. Yeah. <laughs> is he is he fixing the uh the the uh chinese software hack that i keep hearing about that's been going around for the last few days is that what he's working on no he's a deep undercover trying to suss out some uh, world cup in dallas info oh okay well sh- peter shut up don't yeah, give it away sh- don't blow it all right well thank you buzz it's always fun talking to you my friend yeah man anytime i love doing this yep all right fc dallas uh curious fan we appreciate you and we will talk to you next week on another episode of third degree the podcast bye dan bye dan third degree the third degree net podcast Third degree, the third degree never podcast. Third degree, the third degree never podcast. Third degree, the third degree never podcast.